0: All right. Uh I guess we're rolling. Okay. <clears throat> let's um let's start. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
1: that's perfect way to start just It, it is. Yes. Like uh, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they, they we have to wean them into it. You know, we have to slowly <laughs> wean them into the reality of how the show actually works because they're used to seeing the edited and slick <laughs> polished stuff that Lewis puts out. Well, you know, we don't have time for that so <laughs> okay so introduce the show for that shit yeah i mean seriously you know, life's too short so introduce the show i totally reject your suggestion that i introduce the show every other time you do it <laughs>
1: okay oh shit you were cool with it last time now you're like fuck that i'm not doing that
0: introduce All the right. show no hell no man. <laughs> this is your this was your uh this was your uh, concept cookie so you gotta own it okay
1: This is Birds of a Feather. I'm Christina Baldwin, (laughs) vocalist. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs)
0: I'm <laughs> sorry. What it's the just, fuck? That, that, you're such a pro, the way you just turn it off and then just bam, here we are. And action. You know, three, two, one, the silent three, you two, one, and bam. You did great. Yeah, you're doing <laughs> great. I, I'm sorry if I'm just laughing with satisfaction. I'm not laughing at you. you know. <laughs> Go ahead and try again.
1: Are you sure? I'm not sure about <laughs> I that. I swear. <laughs>
0: it's just the way you just flipped the switch. It was like, wow, if I were so inclined, <laughs> I'd just cut in there and we'd have a perfectly smooth show opening. But that's for other shows. That's not for our show. Go ahead.
1: You better fucking start it at the right place this time. Holy shit. No, You're not going to have all this cutting up,
2: all, shit on all there. This, yeah,
0: all this stuff is in there so far. So yeah, go ahead.
2: <laughs> no, no.
0: Really? Seriously? I think they're going to love it. People, what do you what do you think? Oh, yeah, they're going to hear it. I mean, yeah, to leave out all the ridiculousness <laughs> would be too much. So I'll, I'll select some choice ridiculousness to uh, leave in. Okay, go ahead and introduce the show. And I'll try not to laugh this time.
1: <laughs> if you fucking laugh again. <laughs> All right. I can't believe you laughed. All right.
0: I I didn't say anything. I'll mute my mic here so I can laugh my ass off and you'll never know.
1: Oh, I'll know. I'll feel it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, go. This
1: is Birds of a... Oh, fuck. (laughs) I'm going to do it. Here it comes. Are you ready?
0: Mm, Yeah.
1: This is Birds of a Feather. I'm Christina Baldwin, vocalist for the Southern California band Ascent. And you might be saying... What is "Birds of a Feather" all about? Well, we are an indie music-focused show, ripe with witty, fuck-laden, insanely interesting, and unhinged banter. Fascinating, fun features and thematic song submissions will confuse, infuse, and delight you, won't they, David?
0: They will, and I'm Professor P. Soup, and I have nothing to add to that. That uh, I totally defer. To uh, our host here, my co-host And um, yeah, that was great So thank you for explaining what we're all about Because I didn't know
1: Shit, we're in trouble then (laughs) But that's okay, now you do Now we all know All right, so that brings us to the segment of the show Where we are talking about what we're doing musically And actually Ascent has a couple of things in the works We just did an unplugged show at Gallagher's In Huntington Beach And that was really fun We like to kind of show off our softer side Because we are a big loud rock band But we are going to be playing Full Throttle in Anaheim at the world-famous Doll Hut at 9.30 p.m. on the 14th. So hopefully you'll be able to join us because... Not only will we be there, but the tragic fucking radicals will be there. And you don't want to miss that show. They're absolutely incredible. And I have to give a shout out to Twisted Soul Entertainment for allowing us to be part of this great bill at this great location. And actually, this is a location where we actually met for the first time, David. And then it started this whole thing.
0: That's right. In fact, uh, we met there when I went to see the glorious Kittenhead, who was last week's guest on Butterflies and Hurricanes, and just missed the Tragic Radicals. But I met you, and now going to rectify and, and uh, uh, put the pieces of this uh, cosmic tragedy together back uh, in one in place. By going to see you and the Tragic Radicals again at the world-famous doll hut, which is so old school it has a cigarette machine. When was the last time you saw that? <laughs> we always joke about that. But it's a great, great place. Just don't pull any of the band stickers off the wall or the, the building will collapse because that's what holds them together, uh, what holds it together. But uh, you will enjoy that uh, little nothing. Uh, I love dive bars. I love shows and dive bars. And this is the diviest dive bar of them all. You're going to love the world-famous doll hut if you're in Southern California. Come on out. See Christina and Bruce in Ascent. The Tragic Radicals with uh, AJ and uh, Tyler and uh, Tyler. May- maybe meet us. Did I say ty- I said Tyler, didn't I?
1: You did. And they will meet us because we'll be there. Yes. So okay. it'd be weird if we said you could maybe meet us. Yeah. No, we'll be there.
0: Yep. Absolutely.
1: So, and for more information on Ascent, you can visit us at Ascent.rocks or on Facebook and Instagram at Ascent Rocks. Woo!
0: That was my. That was my. <laughs> Thank woo, you. That was my uh, woohoo from. Uh, the winter is having its last uh, licks at me. I have a head cold, serious congestion. I have no idea what I'm saying, and if you're used to. Semi coherence. and this uh, episode will feature a new threshold known as quadra coherence or something like that. So I have no idea what I'm saying, or I will have no recollection of doing the show. But um, that was my woohoo. So if I go woo and oh, there it was. That worked. Uh, so yeah, just wow. uh, pay, no, pay no mind to me. Uh, I'll try to leave as much of myself on the cutting room floor as possible. That's bullshit. and I'm not going to do that.
1: Okay. Please don't. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay.
0: So so carry on, please. Rescue the show. Uh, it's just about just about going under for the third. Uh, third to count so you uh, rescue the show now please
1: well (laughs) i don't think it's me that does the rescuing but that's okay i will say now we did conduct a facebook poll and we asked people what musicians they loved and why and you're going to share a little bit about our results aren't you david
0: we conducted a poll, do oh, uh, And pardon me, you might hear me sniffing every once in a while, uh, doing inhalants. It's not like glue, like not like the Ramones or anything. It's this uh, stuff, so I can breathe. So, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> it's not cocaine. It's not glue. It's just this uh, menthol stuff that's a placebo that makes me think I'm better. So, okay, uh, we did a poll. I wasn't aware of that, but however, I see the results here in front of me. So there must have been something, uh, and it's very interesting. There's a long list. You want to read maybe some of the. Uh, the acts that were cited as being favorites and influentials and all sorts of things like that, and the uh, brief reasons why, and I will chime in on some of the ones that I concur with, and I won't talk about the ones that suck and I can't believe anybody gives any credence to. I'll just talk about the ones that I agree with. Although most of them actually are quite meritorious, I really must say, great acts here. So if you want to read some of them, except Eddie Vedder, really, give me a fucking break. Um. Okay. So. Uh, <laughs> hey,
1: hey! I thought you weren't gonna say anything. What the fuck just happened?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I meant you. It, could not- not I yourself. meant it when I said it, but it's like it's like Tourette's Syndrome. It's, I have like Tourette's Syndrome for shit bands. I have to say something every once in a while. Okay. Terrible, terrible thing. Um, oh, my God. Okay, yes. Yeah, so All we, right. Did,
1: well, whoever uh, answered Eddie Vedder, you are allowed to love Eddie Vetter Thank you. All right. So... <laughs>
0: All right, okay. I was just informed that I was supposed to do this, and uh, okay, I will. <laughs> Even though it says it in the notes she sent me, uh, clearly it, uh, it has me doing it. I somehow overlooked that and was not prepared. Anyway, yeah, a number of the artists and acts that were cited as being favorites and being influential and meaningful to our uh, listeners in this poll that I knew nothing about um, were Depeche Mode came up three times, so that was the top mention. And I, I found it interesting that a number of the guests we've had on Butterflies and Hurricanes also, when we ask that question, as we always do, also cited Depeche Mode. Uh, Depeche Mode came up a lot. The Beatles, obviously, and Alice Cooper makes a frequent appearance there, too. But Depeche Mode, very popular, and I've only learned to just uh, to appreciate them in the last couple of years. Great group. Prince came up twice and was uh, cited as being notable and appealing for his masculinity and sexuality, and I would say I like that about Prince and artists of that type that without being outright, uh, there's a masculinity, but it's kind of a, a duality. It's kind of like they're sort of in touch with their feminine side as well. And I think every man should be. And it doesn't mean you have to go swishing around or anything. But I like the non macho approach. They're not, you know, rah, gruff and growl, you know, and, and badass types. These are guys who are not afraid to strut and prance, like Prince, like Mick Jagger, like David freaking Bowie. I, I really do uh, like that about them. The, it's, it's kind of androgynous, but it's like they're not denying that they're men. They're not trying to pretend to be anything other than the men they are. But I do love that approach and Prince is just a super badass in that area as were the other artists that I mentioned. Uh, Martin Gore. Well, and I will say
1: I must jump in here because That is super sexy to women, too, the fact that men are in touch with both sides, that you can be, you know, in touch with your masculine side, but then also show a softness and a femininity. It's super, super hot. Um, It goes like to makeup. I mean, Prince even wore like, you know, really tall shoes. Really cute little blouses, if you will. I mean, even Freddie Mercury did the same thing. So, I mean, I, I think that's really, really attractive, and I think a lot of women do as well. So, had to throw it out there. Prince was kind of my introduction to that, other than the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which was a whole different level. But <laughs> I have to say, it's very, very, very sexy.
0: Yeah, Tim Curry's Frankenfurter is an entirely different level. I mean... <laughs> a whole other <laughs> most, level. Most of the guys that we're talking about here don't go that far and everything, but I do, but I do like that. Like, Jagger's not a macho man. But David Bowie's no. certainly not, but these are... No. I, if I were a woman, I could totally see finding this type of man more attractive than than the big, bruising, macho rah, type. I mean, honestly, that because there's a, there is a sensitivity and a femininity and uh, an intelligence there, and, uh, you know, some chicks like the bad boys and all that. I get that, but I, I, I appreciate these guys and their uh, their approach to that. Martin Gore, don't know who that is, I'm afraid. Carly Simon and James Taylor, great pair, two phenomenal songwriters and singers uh, from way, way back. Uh, gotta love them. Uh, Otis Redding, somebody said that... Uh, What did they say about painting in college? I don't even know what that means. Um...
1: I guess it, well, it reminds them of when they were painting in college. Ah, Because I asked uh, them, well, who are your favorites and why? And so that was one of them. And I have to stop here because Otis Redding is a huge Huge love of mine I mean, think of all of the songs Change Gonna Come, Try a Little Tenderness Dock of the Bay, of course, These Arms of Mine Love Man I mean, holy shit, the list goes on and on He is the man So I was very excited when he showed up Though he doesn't remind me of painting in college He reminds me of many, many other things Mostly my childhood, because that's what I heard You know, when I was listening next to the door Much to my older brothers and my mother's dismay Listening to what they were listening to Popping in the eight tracks all those kinds of things. So Otis is the man. So I was very excited that he showed up.
0: Jeff Beck, there's a guitar hero going back to the 60s, kids. The 60s, a member of the Yardbirds, one of three notable guitarists of the Yardbirds, along with Eric Clapton and Jimmy Page. Love that group. Some of his solo stuff is really, really great. I have numerous Jeff Beck albums, and uh, Beck is just way, way up there. Uh, Tom Waits, fantastic songwriter. XTC, pop brilliance, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, other people cited uh, Neil Diamond as a favorite from childhood, and how could he not be? Uh, Neil Diamond is a legend in spades. He is a legend a 100 times over. Uh, fantastic singer-songwriter. Classic, and a lot of people do Neil Diamond songs that people don't even realize, like The Monkees, um, I'm a Believer, Deep Purple... Kentucky Woman. Those are Neil Diamond songs. Um, hmm. um, and uh, Devin Townsend, don't know who he is. Morrissey, yeah, okay, cool, cool. I like it. Okay, so king i got to of-
1: stop there again because uh-huh. Morrissey is the king of snark and that is exactly how it was cited. He writes these amazing songs that are snarky and kind of shitty and super dark um, and melancholy and they spoke to me of course again when I was a youngster which I'm not now but when I was a youngster spoke to me and spoke to all my angst that was going on and, and said all the shit I wanted to say so he's amazing a lot of people don't understand why wow. people really like him he's got a great voice he's a pain in the ass he's a big crybaby. he's a whiner but I'm okay with that because that's his persona that's who he is but I saw him in concert one time, and actually that time I saw him in concert was at the state fair, and somebody pulled on his shirt, so he left the stage and didn't come back.
2: So,
0: he, so that sucks. So he's like me basically, except for the good voice part. Got it. Okay. <laughs> 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 uh, Sam Cook, absolutely brings uh. it on home. Sam Cook, such a great uh, singer songwriter, and uh, he. Uh, I mean, listen. Look at the songs. What a wonderful world, uh, Chain Gang, and some songs that were notably covered by others. Cat Stevens did a killer version of Another Saturday Night. Sam Cook song. Rod Stewart twisting the night away. Sam Cooke is one of the best of the best, going way back, and that is classic stuff. Eddie Vedder, oh come on. Uh, I'm so well. Eddie Vedder, uh, I don't know what his contribution to writing the music is, but. We're gonna. It's going to come up later on in a discussion where people sometimes, when you write a song, you really ought to let other people sing it. I do that a lot. I get other female vocalists to sing my stuff that I hope to redeem the songs. Uh, Eddie Vedder, if he's involved with the writing of Pearl Jam Music, should they should get another singer because he sucks. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk uh, with a uh, feature later on about a group that... Where, in, Wherein the writers would let other members of the group sing the song, and to their great benefit, so that's a very wise thing to do. Oingo Boingo, not that familiar, a couple of tunes maybe, but uh, who is it, Danny Elfman? Who's the, who's the Elfman in yes. that? Yes.
1: Yes, that's correct. It's a great, great band and it's it's actually kind of a, they have a cult following. They're very, very talented. Yes, Danny Elfman, very uh, very interesting uh, contributions to Oingo Boingo. So you haven't listened to them. You definitely should. It's definitely very cool, interesting music and it was kind of very indicative of the times. So absolutely check it out.
0: And isn't Danny Elfman the uh, the composer also who does those movie scores and everything?
1: That's correct. Yes, ah,
0: fantastic. exactly. Okay, next on the list, George Harrison. Well, George Harrison, Come on, great songwriter Great singer-songwriter And people have this idea of him They say, oh yes, he's the quiet, reflective one He's the spiritual one All right, that might be true. But George Harrison, let's not miss the fact that he is a rock and roll animal. I mean, look at the the way he plays, the songs he plays, and even the songs he writes. And uh, the songs he sang for the Beatles, like Everybody's Trying to Be My Baby and The Sheik of Araby. I mean, this is a guy Mm. who likes to have fun, who likes to dance. So, yeah, deep and spiritual and also a uh, a rock and roller to the core. And uh, he wrote some... uh, Absolutely phenomenal uh, Beatles classics and some unforgettable solo stuff. So, I mean, George Harrison is a legend. He's a great guitar player. He's a great everything you could think of. And I can't picture life without George Harrison because he's been there all my life. Next up on the list, um, my Desert Island composer, J.S. Bach. Well, it just says Bach. I'm assuming they mean J.S. There are actually numerous Bach children who composed also, but uh, they have to be... It's J.S. Bach. Yeah, they You're have correct. to mean Johann Sebastian. Now, that's my Desert Island composer. Uh, even over the other notables, I'm a classical music fanatic, but he's got a body of work. The keyboard uh, solo works, the well-tempered clavier, the uh, all the concertos, the... Violin sonatas and partitas, the cello suites. There's just n- incomparable. Bach is just out of this world, and uh, like I said, desert island composer, no question about it. And I'm glad he came up in the uh, in the uh, survey there.
1: I'm just a huge Bach fan. Just, I mean, classical music is something that I was introduced to very young. And while I will say I don't know that I really understood it at the the tender age um, that it was introduced at, but I do uh, I do tell you that it did change my life forever. So um, definitely, Bach is one of my favorite. Obviously, Mozart. There's just too many to mention. Uh,
0: absolutely, there are, and that's the thing you said uh, about knowing. I'm not into all the wonky explanations. I'm not a music theory type of person. I don't know a lot. If you'll ever listen to any of my stuff, it's quite obvious. But um, Bach, uh, when you read the liner notes on classical music CDs, it's pretty hilarious. It's like, and here, there's a recapitulation of the uh, theme, only augmented with the blood. I have no idea what you're talking about. I just know what I like, and I like the music that's way, way over my head and, and so knowledgeable and learned it, I couldn't begin to fathom it. But at the end of the day, I like how it sounds. I like to listen to it. My life would be... I've been listening to Klaus Music since I was about 12, I think. And uh, it's a big, big deal to me. Next up on the list, oh my goodness, Eric freaking Clapton, another ex-Yardbird, ex-member of a half a dozen bands, <laughs> Cream, most notably, <laughs> Derek and the Dominoes, Blind Faith, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the... Probably, uh, he's in my top five favorite guitarists of all time. Absolutely, along with Jimmy Page, Tony Iommi, Brian May, David Gilmore, Eric Clapton is up there with them. He is a legend. He's not the greatest singer in the world, but he can totally make it work what he has. And um, uh, just, what can you say about him? He's he's a genius and still out there. Still doing his thing since the 60s. Still out there. Uh, Next up on the list, the Sex Pistols. Honestly, now the Sex Pistols... Uh, came out when I was in high school And of course, you know, when you're a dumb high school kid You're into all the controversy And we're going to talk about this later on too How you outgrow certain things Certain, uh, you know, stunts and antics of musicians That you really love when you're a kid Because you think it's so cool Like smashing <laughs> guitars And it's like, smashing guitars, I hate seeing that I absolutely hate that But now, now it, uh, back then it was really cool Well, the Sex Pistols came out And it was all the, you know, the fighting and vomiting in public And all the controversy and the attacking this And getting arrested and all that stuff all of that rubbish I have completely outgrown and I don't think it's cool at all but you put on that record and it still sounds as amazingly intense and brilliant as it did in 1977 I love their album I love everything they've ever done and uh, so this is at the end of the day, the music has merit. It wasn't there. They weren't compensating by trying to be provocative. They had awesome music, and it still holds up just as well today. Sex Pistols forever.
1: Mm, I disagree, but that's okay. Oh, I'm glad uh, so there's there. so many people that love them. I am not a Sex Pistols fan. I don't get it. I never got it, and I was introduced to it when I was pretty young. Um, you know, But I think I have a different uh, take on what music should sound like so I while I do like punk and I do like a lot of music that's like that it has to have a certain sound and sadly Sex Pistols does not have that sound for me though it is you know the quintessential punk band for many it just did not move me at all and still doesn't to this day and I'm going to say I did go back and listen quite a few times that's not to impugn anyone else's love of Sex Pistols but because our opinions are important I'm going to say my fucking opinion and I am not a Sex Pistols fan.
0: Wow. See, I, I, all this time I've known you, I never knew you were a big old fucking square. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what it's fucking about. Yeah. yeah, it's about me being a square. Yeah. Yep. No, yeah. well, I mean, you no, like you, the,
0: know. you don't like the Sex Pistols. You like Alice in Chains. You don't like The Who. Yeah, you're all over the place. Okay. Uh, you're yeah. kind of hard to figure that out. Makes but, uh, that makes two of us. That makes two. Okay, next up, The Cure. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I missed out on The Cure and the Smiths and all that stuff pretty much because I'm a dinosaur and I wasn't paying attention to music during those years. But I have learned to appreciate The Cure. Through uh, artists, indie artists that I know who have been inspired by them, like the wonderful Albert Bevia from Spain, uh, terrific uh, singer songwriter. uh, And I've sort of gotten into that, whatever post punk, whatever the hell they call it, I've gotten into that much more. So I like The Cure now, and I did not before. Um, Mm. You like The Cure? Probably. Oh, hell yes. The oh. Cure
1: is definitely part of my childhood. I definitely grew up on The Cure. They were, um, you know, again, melancholy, but then also excited. They they were all about love, and and I loved that. And it was perfect timing because I was discovering boys and how amazing boys were and how I liked boys. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I loved the look. I loved the, the, the whole look of it. It was kind of goth-looking, although recently Robert Smith came out to say, hey, we are not a goth band. We've never identified as a goth band. But like I always say with the scent, you want to call us goth, call us goth. You want to call us rock, call us rock. You want to call us metal, we're fine with that. And I think Robert Smith has just kind of gone with the flow. But that music is timeless to me whenever it comes on there is never a time i change it i always want to hear it i always sing along with it it doesn't matter what album it is it's just incredible music and if you go back and listen to nothing else david i'd like you to go back and listen to kiss me kiss me kiss me and boys don't cry those albums are just quintessential
0: ah i do recall reading in my rock magazine days uh, that they uh, they have an album called the head on the door right Mm. Yeah, I, and uh, yes. I, uh, that made an impression on me. I thought I got to listen to that someday because it was uh, Robert Smith said it was in, uh, basically r- written uh, in the aftermath of a bunch of uh, alcohol fueled nightmares. And I was like, okay, that sounds kind of interesting. Even though <laughs> I, I'm a te- I'm a teetotaler, but uh, you know, you gotta you gotta uh, appreciate anything that's you know strange and offbeat and comes from that uh, place, like Edgar Allan Poe uh, and so forth. Uh, next on the list, Roy Clark, who's cited as the best guitar player ever. Now, I gotta say, along with the likes of uh, Glenn Campbell and Chet Atkins, mm. and Roy Clark, these are amazing musicians that I grew up with watching a show called Hee Haw. Hee Haw. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I remember he- <laughs> Hee Haw with Minnie Pearl and all those funny people, and Roy Clark and them doing skits and doing uh, music, and uh, it was just a really silly, offbeat show. Uh, a lot of it was kind of like a, a countrified version of the Lauren. Lawrence Welk Show, an all-time favorite of mine. And uh, Roy Clark is certainly an amazing, amazing guitar player. They were really into shredding a lot back then. A lot of people think that's something relatively new to like the you know the mm-hmm. 80s and whatnot. oh absolutely or absolutely not. They were nope. really into that, and it's not my favorite style, but I, I do admire the uh, uh, the skill involved and everything, and, and it can be very very enjoyable. Enjoyable. The late Glen Campbell, amazing musician also, and I inherited actually uh, recently a bunch of Glenn Campbell and um, Chet Atkins records. From uh, a friend of mine. Well, within a few years back, a couple of my friends passed on, and I got all of their. Uh Vinyl and everything. See, that's how it works. If you're my friend and you die, I get your records. That's just it's just the way. It's a law of the universe. So um, anybody out there, like Christina, have you got a bunch of records, uh, just remember. And
1: if I if I die, you can have them. It's going to be okay. Yeah, if I die, you can have them. Although they might include Pearl Jam. So just oh,
0: well, have... well, they can they can go to charity or, or you know.
1: <laughs> you know what? Fuck you. They will <laughs> go to fucking charity. Forget it.
0: Now this next on the list, Dave Lombardo, uh, is cited as being versatile oh. and humble, but he so humble and hum- that I don't even know who, who is Dave Lombardo. I mean, um, Guy Lombardo, Lombardo, I know. Dave Lombardo, I don't know.
1: <laughs> Dave Lombardo. He actually, he's a co-founding member of Slayer, and he's a, a Cuban-American drummer. So that's the thing. So he oh. is uh, one of the founding members of Slaya. So, yeah, he is Fucking brilliant. He really, really is. Um, However, you know, Slayer may not be everyone's cup of tea. So if you don't know Slayer, you can definitely go look up David Lombardo and you can hear some of his Cuban American drumming. And that will give you the appreciation you need to have for him, though you don't need to intake the Slayer if thrash metal is not your bag.
0: Right. All right. And next up, I think everybody, uh, whether they know it or not, uh, appreciates Kate Bush. I mean, Kate Bush. Is such a legend, such an amazing singer songwriter, and uh, the, her originality and guts are, are cited here by listeners as having a certain appeal. And yeah, she's just a she's just a phenomenon. It is true that there's the same sort of vocal sound that she always has. I mean, you always know Kate Bush instantly when you hear it. But the songs actually have quite a range on them. There's some of them rock uh, or quite rock and pop, and some of them are very ethereal and uh, haunting and beautiful. But uh, Kate Bush was uh, discovered by uh, and promoted by David Gilmour of uh, Pink Floyd. Amazing uh, person, in fact, uh, a friend of ours. Nymphia recently released an acoustic Kate Bush cover album called Naked Kate. That's uh, quite impressive. Yeah, gotta love Kate Bush. Uh, just a and not only a great singer songwriter, dancer, and also video. Uh, conceptual person her videos are uh, quite fascinating and she really uh, enjoys that medium and if they will ever release the damn Hammersmith Odeon concert on DVD I'm going to have to get that but I have not seen it yet but uh, I love Kate Bush uh, personally so uh, I'm glad the listeners chimed in in her behalf what do you think of Lady Kate I'm going to guess if I had a guess I'd say probably not much
1: I actually really like Kate Bush Um, And I think it was because I came uh, I came upon her brilliance Pretty young And I was a budding singer And to hear the range that she had and that she was doing something completely and totally different than what I was hearing, which spoke to me, was something that was really powerful. And I think something that was kind of inspirational to me. Now, I don't want to overstate it. I'm not saying that she's my big inspiration. However, the music spoke to me and her voice spoke to me. And, you know, one of the things that this particular person actually said too is that during the time that Kate Bush came out, there was a lot, it was kind of male dominated. So that she really, Kind of pushed the boundaries at that time That the that the scene was male dominated So they really saw that as Somebody kind of pushing it out And that's what it was to me is I was like, oh, look, at, listen to this different voice Not that she was female, but this voice that sounded like Nothing else I'd heard And I thought, wow, it's so pretty And it, it had this these beautiful breaks in it Her voice breaks in a way that just Annihilates me, and I had never heard that before. And when your voice breaks, when you're a singer, you're like, "Oh, I don't want it to do that." But that's the beauty in a, vo- a vocal is that it does break and it does have that that uh, emotion to it. And she conveys emotion so beautifully. Huge Kate Bush fan um, from way back. Uh,
0: Chuck D. Oh, Chuck D. Uh, for encouraging people to seek out culture. Yeah, some of these rap people it's just like will straight up get in your face and say, don't be ignorant, learn stuff. Now, I might not agree with what they say you ought to learn and their take on it, but I do applaud that, that people would uh, say to to seek out knowledge. Uh, Kumo D did that, uh, Ice-T did that. And uh, mm-hmm. as much as I've grown, developed an almost an aversion to rap, I, all, I pretty much can't stand the sound of it anymore. And I don't know why. I used to be quite a fan. But um, uh, Chuck D uh, is uh, a favorite of uh, Lewis Drayton's. That's for absolute sure. He's a big, big fan of that, of uh, him and, and uh, uh, Public Enemy. I'm pretty sure it was Public Enemy he was in, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Public Enemy, yeah. I'm a huge fan of rap. I have been. I like hardcore rap, especially way back in the day. NWA, Cool D., like you said, Houdini. I mean, I'm a very, very big hardcore rap fan, and I think it's kind of been bastardized, obviously, you know, since then. Oh, but uh, that's Public Enemy it only, has yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Public Enemy was a huge, huge deal for me. Uh, you know, you had Flava Flave, you had all these really great things. But one of the things that really came out of that was they were socially conscious hip hop music, politically and socially conscious. Which, you know, you weren't really seeing a lot of that. It was, it was more, you know, we could talk about drugs, we talk about the neighborhood, but they were actually talking about things that were going on in the world that affected everyone, not just uh, you know, maybe a certain demographic or somewhere that you grew up. And that really spoke to me a lot because they were talking about shit that mattered to me as well. So that was really, really cool. So I really liked that and obviously the music was just infectious. I still like rap today. I just prefer old school rap be- to what's going on right now. I don't mind hip-hop today, although I like old school hip-hop better.
0: Yeah, I don't think anything is really going on today. I mean, you have Drake and uh, you know, the likes of Drake and Jay Z and, um, oh God, Wiz Khalifa, people like that. I mean, I, I, I remember about a year ago or so, Jay Z put out a new album, and I thought, okay, here we go. Open mind, I'm going to put this on. Absolutely intolerable monosyllabic drivel. The same beat, the same, uh, it just, it had no hook, no appeal. Whereas Ice Tea. And, uh, mm. and Eminem, people who are, who are, yes. get out there with this manic energy, and uh, you know it's, it was a totally different world back then. Cool Modi, and uh, you know the guy. Yeah, that was it was a different it was a different time, and I'm not really keen on what they're doing now. Um, but when the old stuff comes on, I can still stand it. Uh, next up on the list. Okay, here's a polarizing figure, if ever there was one, like uh, this week's. Uh, oh hell yes! Oh hell no! Taylor Swift. Now, personally, I think Taylor Swift is uh, deserves a lot of credit for being a singer-songwriter uh, so young, and uh, I think a lot of her material is actually pretty darn good, and orchestrating and managing her tours and conceptualizing stage shows and everything like that. I think she deserves a lot of credit for that. I think she uh, has a lot of talent, and I've never had any of her records or anything, but I'd listen to one if somebody put one on, so... Uh, not popular with a lot of uh, rock people, I noticed, but uh, what, uh, any, anything to say about old Taylor?
1: Um, I'm actually a fan of her songwriting. I'm not a fan of her singing, and I think that's probably obvious about why, because she really doesn't sing. She kind of talks. Puck sings, which is fine, but Not my bag, but I do Think she is an Excellent artist, if she had the Millie Vanilli Thing going on, it'd be better, probably Because she'd put on a great show, (laughs) and somebody Else would be singing, and it would Be great songwriting, and I would be very Happy, in this case, I would rather her not Sing, but I, I do think she should have somebody else Sing her music, though she's beautiful And very, very talented in many Many other ways, I am a Taylor fan Just not of her actual singing
0: Yeah, and there are people out there who uh, I would say the same thing about. Uh, Gordon Lightfoot. Oh, great singer-songwriter. What a voice. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some unforgettable songs. Gordon Lightfoot. uh, For you younger kids who might not recognize the name, uh, maybe you remember the songs. um, uh, If You Could Read My Mind, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. uh, What's that other? Oh, uh, Just... classic classic stuff um, and I, it's the head cold i would think of three or four more offhand except for uh the the cold thing but uh gordon you like gordon
1: i do absolutely i mean rainy day people come on i mean like early morning rain because i'm a rain lover sundown obviously oh sundown my there you attention. go sundown yes. there's
0: another classic and what's that other one carefree highway what is it something carefree, I- highway, carefree highway right another great- sundown yeah, sundown yep. is just dynamite. Yeah, he's he's just kill. I'm glad somebody recognizes Gordon and gave him gave him some props here. Next up, I've tried. God help me, I have tried. Miles Davis. He's okay. I, I I mean, I sometimes people make these incredible, outrageous statements like, uh, if you really appre- if you don't uh, have. Kind of blue in your record collection. You don't really love music. Oh, kiss my ass! I do love music, just because I don't have one stinking record. I did listen to it. It was pretty good. Uh, kind of blue, bitches brew, I think. Um, but I'm just not a fan of jazz terribly. Uh, so I mean, I, I'd listen occasionally. I get a real yen, a real Jones for jazz, but it doesn't last long. Um, but I, I think you're a big appreciator of Miles. I know Louis Drayton is a big fan.
1: Miles Davis is just absolutely incredible, and his musicians. Just blows me away I um, am super inspired by By uh, obviously The albums you just mentioned but he Is just brilliance incarnate I just I cannot say enough about If you're if you if you're going to like Jazz I mean it's going to be you know You're going to listen to probably Miles and you're going to Say oh I get it you know or you're going to Listen to Coltrane and say oh I get it And if you don't then you probably just Aren't into jazz and that's okay um, I would say that probably not too long ago Maybe like 25 years ago I wasn't really into jazz But then I was introduced To Miles And I was introduced To Coltrane And it just kind of Took off from there um, So But they're probably My two favorites Definitely into jazz I will say though Just Just you know For shits and giggles I'm not always In the mood for jazz So I get oh, that It's oh. not It's not something That you're like Oh I always want to hear Like classical music I am always in the music in the, in the mood For classical
0: Always Right but, Yes But
1: You know So I could always listen to classical, but jazz, I'm like, ooh, maybe not today.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's exactly how I feel. I mean, uh, you can drop on classical anytime, and I'm okay with it unless it's like Prokofiev or some whack shit like that. Um, you can, you know, I mean, if it, if, it, if it's actually melodic, if it actually is music and not some experimental noise, you know. I like what's sometimes mistakenly called jazz or, or identified as jazz, which is big band. That To me, that's not jazz. I like that mm. kind of stuff a lot. But, um, so Miles, and of course, here at the bottom of the list... The man who is cited as changing the guitar forever, somebody of whom we are both big fans, Mr. Eddie <laughs> Van Halen. Now, I am not into that big, shreddy, you know, uh, Kane Roberts, uh, you know, Zach Wilde, uh, uh, what's his face, Randy Rhodes kind of. Randy thing. Rhodes? Yeah, but it, yeah, <laughs> not that. I mean, they're okay, but they don't really rock my world. But Eddie Van Halen, I have loved since the first. I was in high school when the first Van Halen record came out. I've loved him ever since. I have everything Van Halen's ever done with, with Roth. And, uh, yeah, I love Eddie. I think Eddie is just brilliant. Uh, so, And I know you would agree, wouldn't you?
1: Absolutely, no. He's he's absolutely brilliant. I'd never heard anything like that when I started listening to Van Halen, which was probably, I know it's going to sound really weird, but 1984 was probably when I started listening <laughs> to them. <laughs> hey, it's not that funny. Um, no, it's just funny but,
0: because they have an album called 1984.
1: Exactly, that's why it was funny, but that's when I started listening to it, and it really spoke to me, and I thought, oh my god, what is he doing with that instrument? Never heard anything like it, still never heard anything like it, he's really one of a kind, he's pioneered a lot of very interesting sounds for Van Halen, and he's one of the big draws for me, one of the reasons why I love Van Halen so much, so absolutely...
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. He defines Van Halen just to me like Tony Iommi defines Black Sabbath. Uh, if he's there and anybody else, it doesn't matter who you get, I mean, they could get you to sing, and it would still be Van Halen to me because of Eddie. Of course, Alex on drums, and um, now it's a family affair because Alex, uh, Eddie's son, Wolfgang, is their bass player, or was last I heard, uh, so um, they, uh, it's a family thing there. And the name, this allegedly, this was David Lee Roth's contribution to the group. They wanted to call themselves for... Little Van Halen trivia. They wanted to call themselves Rat Salad, okay? Which is, uh, (laughs) yeah, right? Which is the name of an instrumental from Black Sabbath's Paranoid album featuring a drum solo by Bill Ward. They wanted to call themselves that, and Roth was like, you know what, guys? If you call your band Electric Plots, people are going to expect you to sound like an Electric Plots. Let's give this group a name that's strong and dignified, that can sa- that can grow, that has room to evolve, that can sound something noble like a classical composer. And he said, you, you guys are named Van Halen. Let's call the group Van Halen. And what a master stroke that was. I don't think we'd be sitting here talking about Rat Salad 40-something years later. But Van Halen, now that's another story. So good for uh, Dave on that one, old Diamond Dave. And uh, so maybe they might come up later on in discussion. Who knows if we ever get past this three and a half hour segment here, they might come up. Hey, we've been on for about uh, you know about a month and a half. Let's do let's maybe do a song. No, no, actually it's not even time for a song now, isn't it? It's time for me to shut up and you to uh, do the uh, the theme kind of thing going on next time. How about that? That's now, isn't it? You don't you don't number the pages of these notes. so You're gonna have to get around to doing that eventually, uh, but. Uh,
1: Oh, if, if there's anything else I can fucking do for you, let me know.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you're you're, you're new to this. I get it. You know, it's okay. <laughs> oh, cute. I <laughs> can. Oh say my god. It. Go ahead and say oh it. Oh
1: my god. All right. No, I'm not gonna say it. I already said it
0: once. Right. I'll get around to it again. Soda coming out of my nose. Pardon me. <clears throat> <laughs> but hey, see, because the the glue I'm sniffing has cleared it up for that enough for that to happen. So yeah, I mean the, that uh, is very nice. The, the menthol, not the glue. Yeah.
1: So this week's theme was night owls. We recently requested submissions for night owls, songs about the night. Now I am a self-professed night owl. I prefer to sleep during the day, venture out at night, and my favorite times out end at about 3 a.m. or when the sun is rising. Staying up all night is my jam, and I know it's your jam too, David.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely it is.
1: So we asked for songs about the night, and boy, did you ever deliver. We have really, really great submissions. Everything about how beautiful the night is to how dark and evil the night can be. It's all over the place. Amazing music. So we are going to be enjoying all of your songs about the perfect time of day. And starting with song number ten, song number ten is by a band named Abby Benton and the Eskimo Girls. The song is called "Stars." They are from Spring. Uh, they are from Springfield, Missouri. They are Americana folk indie, and this is an all-female three-piece band. Beautiful fiddle, mandolin. Oh, gorgeous! The vocals are beautiful. Their subtle yet powerful harmonies really, really add to that folky feel. I found their music to be reminiscent of a pop country crossover of the 90s, but nothing in the 90s was done this well. Um, And it's melancholy, yet hopeful and introspective and simply lovely. I think, David, this is one that you are really, really going to love and you're going to want to follow them. And I think also our listeners will. So here is Stars.
3: so high can you take me there and when we go I won't look back I'll cross out all the markings mapped then I'll throw it away and just beyond the edge of the moon there's a land there waiting for me Oh, Children with hearts set from never, never land. We'll scold the sun if it tries to rise and wipe the stardust from our eyes so we can see to pray.
0: Okay, that was who? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was Abby Benton and the Eskimo Girls with Stars.
0: Okay, got it. Okay. Alright, now we gotta feature the Partridge Effect. Don't you just love these bird themes? I know I do. A Partridge Effect, of course, a reference to classic group that I really love, the Partridge Family, and the television show that brought us. Uh, brought them to our attention. Uh, David Cassidy and Shirley Jones, the Partridge family, love them. Great pop, absolutely fantastic stuff. And the Partridge effect would obviously, not obviously, so that's why I'm going to explain it, would be uh, bands that include family members, couples, siblings, or whatever. Uh, family members like, here's uh, one very, no- well, I mentioned, we mentioned Hanson last time. Uh, very similar to an act that's coming up tonight. We have three sisters. Well, Hanson was three brothers. Uh, writing and playing their own uh, instruments and so forth. We also have the, uh, the Bee Gees, the Brothers Gibb, the fantastic trio of Robin, Morris, and Barry Gibb. And sadly, Barry's the only one that's left with us. Oh, not to mention their brother Andy, who also had a quite a solo career of his own. So we have four talented Gibb brothers. But there's uh, one of the more notable family acts that you'll find in the world who have uh, you know, been just reinventing and shaping and uh, absolutely perfecting pop and uh, soul and rock and everything since the 60s and not with us anymore exactly on, on, on basis on account of death but um, they uh, they were working uh, very, very many years and a great great group, personal favorite of mine going way back to childhood, the Bee Gees so there's a uh, Partridge effect for you right there and uh, Partridge family, unrelated unfortunately but <laughs> just like the Ramones, I was very sad to find it. they were not related but um, in uh, name. Uh, you can uh, bring any more favorite uh, indie or mainstream family acts to our attention if you want, but we're going to be talking about that I mean, in the in the future, in other segments. At least that's as I, uh, according to my uh, very tenuous grasp on the direction of the show, um, <laughs> I'm kind of out of the loop here. So it's about time. I was going to say it's about time Christina redeemed the show, but I think I'm supposed to introduce the next song. Is that right?
1: song number nine
0: (laughs) Who is it? Because my notes don't say Oh yes, my notes do say on the screen Okay Let's I bring do. my screen notes up uh, because my paper notes don't say shit. Okay. Screen notes. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Oh, wow. The notes are much better on the screen, aren't they? Okay. I should be, I should have been looking at that all this time. <laughs> okay. Uh, wow. Okay. We're going to have to cut the... Uh... Oh, my goodness. No way. Song number nine. Oh, we're up to my favorite. This is the one... Now, if you were listening last time, this is the one where I said, I'll arm wrestle you over this one, bitch, because this song is ending up in the playlist no matter what happens. And... Um, from a uh, uh Yeah. Okay <laughs> Okay. Uh, ending up This one's ending I might leave that in Just because I'm lazy uh, Oh shit Human and endearing uh, Is my excuse For being lazy Okay Alright Great song here Number nine This song is Just fantastic And this is sort of Like my anthem This is my jam This is my juice This is my joint This is my whatever This is my uh, My new theme Basically Ever since I first heard it A year or two ago uh, This artist Ulysses Was discovered by Audrey when she was putting together her European special on Audrey's mixtape show um, which rounded out the number of European countries uh, represented in that show to 13. He's from Greece. Greece. Thessalonica, Greece, and he describes it as a musical project. Uh, The concept is to be free of style, but neither freestyle nor styleless. And I I get what he's saying there. I don't know what that says about me, but I understand what he's saying there. Uh, The musical outcome, as you will find out while listening, is multimorphic, a combination of elements taken from many different genres and cultures. Uh, And uh, he sums up his music with this lovely little phrase the complexity of simplicity and I gotta love that and the music ranges from uh, you know, technical uh, techno dance you know, big city bright lights club kind of stuff a lot of synthesizers but there's a decent amount of guitar driven rock in there And this particular one, which features a guest vocalist, a female vocalist, and I don't know her name, unfortunately, is just this slinky cabaret jazz thing. And it is just, this just puts you in the mood to go out and have some fun, which is mentioned in the song. You're going to love this one. It's going to become your new joint. I absolutely assure you of that. From Ulysses, and this is called Night is the Only Time I Like. Say that, brother and sister.
1: Night is the only time I like. Oh, sorry.
0: Yeah, no. I follow
1: directions well.
0: Yeah, no, no. Now we're going to cut to the song. Here comes the song. Now we're back from the song. Okay. Yeah, Ulysses. And that uh, feature, you can find him on uh, Facebook and link to there. And it's Ulysses with an I. So be sure to spell U-L-I-S-S-E-U-S. Follow the show links if you need to. And uh, this is from an album of his called Babel or ba- Babel. or depending if you're English. Maybe you say Babel. I don't know. Ed, Elton John said Babel in the classic song Tower of Babel. But anyway, it's as in Tower of. Uh, Babel is the album. And uh, he's got more works out there, and he always appreciates being played. He's such a great uh, and humble guy. He was also our guest. You can hear him in the Butterflies and Hurricanes archives from last February on episode 84 FusionMusicRadio.net. You can hear that uh, episode. He was interviewed by Lewis Drayton and uh, played a lot of his terrific music. So do check out Ulysses, and when you're going to go out and party, play this song first. It's just going to get you right in the mood. So that takes
1: us to song number eight by a band called Zola Drive. The song is called Dark. This is a band from Nord Holland. And they are roots, pop music, blues and western Not stuff that I would normally think I would like I absolutely fell in love with this It is swampy, blues guitar, rootsy, bluesy, soulful Her vocals are immaculate, they're haunting, they're emotional The occasional tambourine and deep hums bring in the perfect amount of gospel You can find Zola Drive at ZolaDrive.com This is absolutely going to infect you And you are not going to forget it Her voice is incredible. Here is Zola Drive with Dark.
4: Go and look, look for the center. I don't mind the dark, I don't mind the shades of my feet. Go.
1: Oh, it's so good it's so damn good um, so then this is you again
0: <laughs> okay no problem I'll try I'll try to be brief about this uh, I'll try to be uh, succinct about this and keep it down to under you know, 15 minutes or so considering there is about two minutes allotted to it uh, that should that should be about how it shakes out.
1: Well. Well, because we can't even play the song or anything. That's why I thought, well, it'd be fast. Because it's, you know, Carry On Mockingbird. But we can't play the cover or anything, but we can talk about it. And then we can make it on the page.
0: All right. Now, here's a feature where we're not even going to play the song. We're just going to tell you about a song. And the reason is because it's a cover. And we are uh, an indie, original, music-focused group. I'm sure I should have rearranged those words in a better order. But you know what I mean. Anyway. uh, (laughs) Anyway. So this is called Carry On Mockingbird. Carry On Mockingbird. Get it? Carry On Mockingbird? I like. <laughs> I love these. I love these titles. You know? I love these segment titles. Okay. And um, now I, uh, here's a little free bird brain for you for uh, indie artists out there because we know that 99.9% of our listeners, which would be about eight, uh, are in fact indie uh, musicians themselves. So here's a little tip for you uh, by way of a bird brain uh, snuck in under this Carry On Mockingbird segment. I don't care how much original music you have it would not hurt you to do a cover just to throw a cover out there because you're going to grab somebody's attention who likes that song and I have discovered a number of my now favorite acts because they did a cover of a song I liked so you really might want to think about that here's a classic example Black Mamba. I discovered Black Mamba because they did a full band cover of Deep Purple's Highway Star. Now, they also do uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers covers and Rush covers. Yes, Bruce, Rush covers. But it was the Highway Star that got me. When I saw that, I said, oh, wow, that was a great cover, but they do original music. I want to hear that. And they became one of my favorite groups in the world. I have both of their releases and I discovered yet another group that two of the members are in through that. So doing a cover just to get some attention it will not hurt you. You can hear their covers of the various songs on their Spotify and you can see the video of their uh, Highway Star cover at uh, YouTube. So check out Black Mamba, one of my absolute favorite groups in the world right now. And the interesting thing about the Highway Star cover is Black Mambo is a three-piece, or they were at the time anyway. Bass, drums, guitar, vocals. So... Uh, Highway Star has a lengthy keyboard solo. So how do they do it? Well, Cecilia Napo, whose birthday it is. Happy birthday, Cecilia. has the day we're recording this. Uh, Cecilia Napo plays the keyboard solo on the bass. Now, that is some next-level Girl Scout shit. Uh, be prepared. Uh, innovate and overcome. So uh, hooray for them. And it's, a, it's just a killer cover. Sound is brilliant and... But most importantly, they're originals. That's what you got to hear. So check out Black Mamba's Highway Star cover and their original songs. And you indie artists out there, maybe you want to think about doing a cover and throwing it out there just to get some attention, just to get people to notice you. I don't want to make you sound needy or anything, but you want people to notice you. So...
1: You do. And to your point, as, a, as a, an a amendment to your bird brain, I absolutely think it's a great way to break up a set because it's really, really hard for people to listen to music that they don't know for even 45 minutes. So you put a cover in the middle, you bring them back to you, then you hit them over the head with the rest of your original music. I do think recording and putting out uh, different covers also alerts people to your talent, alerts people to the fact that you exist, and then also will draw them into your your own original music i mean that happens all the time and it's an absolute brilliant play so highly suggested as well as an indie artist myself and we are indie artists who are trying to get the attention and trying to get noticed and trying to get people to listen to our originals and a cover is a great gateway drug to your originals
0: absolutely and we'll tell you about more maybe some other time but for now we're going to move on to uh yay christina gets the talk we're going to hear another song (laughs)
1: Yes, that takes us to song number seven, and it is by a band named The Immaculates. The song is called Nighttime. They are from Closter, I'm assuming, New Jersey. They are alternative pop and jazz. So I found this a really intriguing combination. So these are three young men that sound like men 50 years their senior. It's barroom piano. It's bluesy. It's jazzy. It almost breaks into a scat at times, the male vocal does. Uh, it's complex. It, it's accessible. With the right amount of church When that organ comes in And the swinging groove And great band improvisation Takes it to the next level You can find them um, on Facebook At The Immaculates And they are nothing short of spectacular So hopefully you really, really enjoy this As much as I did Here are The Immaculates That takes us to our next feature, Almost Famous Fledglings, where we take a glimpse into the musicians before they became famous, and we discuss their contributions to the musical lexicon. And our musician of focus this week is the amazing, and unfortunately no longer with us, Chris Cornell. What was his first job? You think, well, maybe he flipped burgers. Maybe he did a paper route. No, 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 no. He was a fish handler at a seafood wholesaler cleaning up slime and fish guts at fish markets. So now he did live and grow up in Seattle. So, I mean, I guess that could be more common job there, Um, but that's quite something. So the, the beautifully voiced and gorgeous Chris Cornell cleaning up fish guts. I would have definitely been somebody who stood at the end of the fish gut aisle watching this guy do that (laughs) would not have been a problem. I would have been like, look at that hot guy cleaning up those guts. I will be here every day. Same time watching you clean up guts. Can I help in any way? Can I hold your beautiful hair for you? (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, he was amazing. So, and so you're thinking, well, Chris Cornell, this amazing musician, bands that Chris Cornell was in, Soundgarden, holy shit, Center for Disease Control Boys, great band, not as well known, Temple of the Dog, which was a super group with <clears throat> any better, um, Alice Mudgarden, Garden, a great band, something again, a lot of a lot of fans may not know about, Mad Season, oh, so good, and then the incredible Audio Slave. So the contribution to music is just. Far-reaching, so most notable albums and songs. Most notable album, obviously, Soundgarden's "Bad Motorfinger" 1991, yeah. "Outshined," and "Jesus Christ Pose." Oh my God! We just actually did a cover of "Outshined" in our recent uh, acoustic gig, and I'm telling you right now, that song is from 1991. Brought the house down.
0: That brought song- the house down. That song is absolutely brilliant And when you say Soundgarden It's the first thing that comes to mind I can just the, the way the song breaks up That's the cool thing about Soundgarden It isn't just Hey, let's be heavy rock, 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 rock There's that awesome melodic little So now you know It's just that little break there yes. before, before it goes into that Show me the power to... Absolutely love that tune And I love Soundgarden uh, And I had, uh, I had Bad Motor Finger And uh, recently acquired I knew you know, a half a dozen songs from Super Unknown But I recently acquired that On one of our outings And that's a great record too Love Soundgarden. Dare I venture a guess? I'd never heard of Alice Mudgarden. Do I dare think that that might have been some kind of supergroup composed of members of Alice in Chains, Mudvayne, and Soundgarden?
1: (laughs) You know, it's so weird that you mention that. It may have been. I don't know. I mean, it could just be a rumor.
0: Oh, because it sounds like that's their clever way, and it would be clever, of getting people to listen to them by associating all those different bands.
1: Actually... Now that you mention it, you are spot on. So it was Chris Cornell, Jerry Cantrell, Lane Staley, uh, Sean Kenny, Mike Starr, and Mark Arm. So absolutely, it was a super group. So Mike Arm of Mud Honey, Chris Cornell of Soundgarden, and then obviously we had Lane Staley of Allison Chains. So you're oh, a thousand
0: percent correct. Mud Honey, I said Mud Vein. There's a lot of Mud groups There's Mud Honey, Mud Vein, yes. Puddle of Mud. You know, here's mud in your eye. I don't know what the hell. There's all kinds of mud <laughs> groups. But it's a pity. I was thinking to myself, Alice in Chains. Well, as long as they didn't have any of the singers, songwriters, or guitar players from Alice in Chains, that, that would be a fine contribution. But if any oh, of those boy. people were involved, yeah, well, I've made my position on them clear. But yes, okay. So, Chris <laughs> Cornell, you can't win them all. Okay. Uh, other groups?
1: Well, I was going to say that Mad Season was also a super group. Um, and Lane Staley was also in that. Lane Staley, Mike McCready, Mark uh, Langan, Barrett Martin, John Baker Sanders. I mean, come on. It was an incredible band as well. So, yeah, we had a couple of super groups in there formed with in and around Chris Cornell's brilliance. Um, that takes us to Soundgarden super unknown which you just mentioned with s- such huge hits in 1994 like Black Hole Sun, Spoonman, My Wave and Fell on Black Days and then finally sadly the last uh, that we would hear of Chris Cornell before his untimely death in 2017 as far as these huge albums Audio Slave's Audio Slave in 2002 with Like a Stone and I Am the Highway So Gone Too Soon for sure, uh, just a legend and somebody that is going to be part of the musical lexicon forever and a voice unlike any other that you will ever hear.
0: That's true. Uh, I I, I totally agree with that statement and uh, some people might not know. That he actually appears uh, co-writing and doing vocals on two songs on Alice Cooper's, I believe, 1994 album, uh, The Last Temptation. Uh, Chris Cornell is on there. And, of course, when you hear Chris Cornell, you know who it is. There's no question about it, you know. He's not one no. of those singers that just kind of, oh, maybe it might be, no, I don't know. It's him and you know it. But he's, uh, I did a couple of tunes with Alice Cooper back in the day, too. Great. I love Chris Cornell. I don't know how he could slum with the likes of, uh, you know, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh my God! <laughs> Love Chris Cornell. Never mind. Let's move on. Thank you. Uh, never mind. Well, that let's... takes
1: us to yeah. Let's just move on to the next song. Song number six, which is a band you're going to share.
0: Oh, it's it's one of those. I say stuff. What do I say? Moments. Okay. Let me see. <laughs> yes. Uh, da, da, da. Oh, oh, yes, indeed. Home. Is, okay. All right. Here we go. Song number six. Home is West is the name of the band. And they're local. This is Birds of a Local Feather from San Clemente, California. Oh, yeah. And uh, Ascent has actually shared the stage with them a few times and hopes to do so again soon. So you've played with Home is West.
1: Absolutely. They're magnificent. The sweetest, kindest gentleman ever. We love playing with them. They write really, really nice music. He was very excited to submit his song, Waiting, to us. Um, And Home is West is signed to Mint 400 Records as well. That was a huge moment for them when they were signed. Our brothers being signed is a beautiful moment. And I can't wait for you to tell them more about this song, Waiting, because it's a great song.
0: And more about Home is West, which we find is not just a clever name, uh, as was the Shitty Beatles, not just a clever name. In Wayne's World Because they sucked uh, Home is West is not just a name Because they are West They're here in California As we've already said So why did I bring it up again I don't know But um, they've <laughs> been They've been re- <laughs> They've been Repeatedly I love this uh, the, the bio says They've been repeatedly Invited to play At iconic venues It doesn't say If they accepted These invitations But we're going to have To assume they did <laughs> at the, at the, uh, the Whiskey-A-Go-Go The world famous Doll hut Hey uh, Molly yes. Malone's You've played Molly Malone's Yes. And The Mint, all in Los Angeles. You ever played The Mint?
1: I have not played The Mint. Oh. I want
0: to. Yeah, The Mint, I've never been there, but uh, a great artist uh, that we had on Butterflies, uh, her first interview was with me, poor kid, uh, Savea Leone, uh, have recorded a live album at The Mint, and another buddy of mine, Frank Dolce from Group 9, played there recently, so it's a place to play in L.A., and you ought to get out there sometime. Okay, so they are, um, this song, oh, wait, uh, uh, is that yeah, okay Yeah, this song <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving <laughs> that in So this song Waiting received, Just so people know how radio works so I was like, wow uh, you, so now you know what, how much effort we go to to not sound like idiots when we put a show out. Because this is, this is my contribution. I'm, I'm leaving all this in so you know what how things work behind the scenes. And you go, thank God for editing. You know, okay. Uh, their <laughs> 2018 song release, which is the one we're going to hear. Waiting received FM radio attention. Ultimately caught the attention of Mint 400 Records, which is how they got signed. So let's hear this wonderful song from Home Is West that uh, Christina found for us called Waiting. That was, oh, <laughs> that was Home is West, and you can find them at Lucky Them. Nobody had taken HomeisWest.com. You figure some kind of realtor would have gotten a hold of that, but no. HomeisWest.com, nice and easy to remember, as well as their name. Uh, you can find them there and uh, all kinds of places. Facebook, I'm following them now. And uh, that's what we're all about here is bringing new and wonderful acts to your attention. <laughs> all right, and you have a song you're going to play for us. Is that not right, Christina?
1: Yes, so that takes us to song number five, which is by a band named Minshara, and the song's name is Into the Nights. They're from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Pop Rock Electronica, and it perfectly describes them. This is an all-male band that takes pop rock to a new level. It's catchy and hard-rocking. I found myself singing along pretty much right away. It's polished, it's anthemic, it's rock with elements of pop and a hint of world music. It is synth gold. An angsty vocal draws, it drew me in, and it's going to keep me and you coming back for more. You can find them at Minshara Music. That's M I N S H A R A music.com. Here is Into the Night.
2: Waiting, time to catch those dreams we're chasing Trying to keep my hands from shaking We've all been holding on Am I just another face on your of fools?
1: takes us to our next feature Raven or Nevermore. So this feature has us weighing in on current events and trends in popular music. Is it something we are raving about or something we want to hear about Nevermore? And our topic today is holograms. So holograms are kind of something that started if you think about it back in 2012 when we started to hear about Tupac's hologram. Um, But I will say that hologram wasn't really a true hologram. It was actually an animation technique that they kind of borrowed from the 1800s. Nowadays, we are seeing actual holograms. I have only seen one actual hologram myself, and it was at Michael Jackson's one in Las Vegas. And I apologize if I'm ruining it for anyone. But trust me, when you see it you'll have a reaction to it. For me, it made me cry. Um, Just because it looked like he was actually there. And I'm someone who has been a lifelong Michael Jackson fan. He was the first poster on my wall. I had planned to marry him. That obviously never happened. But I also never got to see him in concert because he didn't go to Arizona because who the fuck goes to Arizona because it sucks. But anyway, I love Arizona people. I just don't love the state itself. So let me say that. Anyway, (laughs) I saw, I, I was watching this and all of a sudden, there is Michael Jackson and it just floored me so it was really moving however there are mixed reviews I'm gonna tell you about some of those reviews in a minute but I'm gonna tell you about some other holograms holograms are actually going on tour Frank Zappa had a hologram that was had gone on tour $125 a ticket And Frank Zappa's hologram Was playing with musicians That he actually played with When he was alive So that is quite something So we'll talk about that in a minute David Dio toured in 2019 Again also with musicians That played with him when he was alive That had a, uh, garnered a certain response as well Billie Holiday toured both in 2017 And 2018 to sold out shows Roy Orbison averaged about 1800 Seats per show and is going to Tour with Buddy Holly's hologram coming Soon Whitney Houston is Currently on tour her hologram And Amy Winehouse is The next new hologram coming out So I'm going to say David that that they You saw that my response or you heard Rather that my response was one Of emotion and I was truly touched By what I was seeing because I knew I would never Ever see that in my lifetime Other people felt guilty They felt sad They were beyond emotional They were moved And some people Were out and out Disappointed What do you think?
0: Well, I I can't imagine people being disappointed because you know it can only look so real. You know it's not real. It's like CGI or green screen or anything like that. You know it's not real. So there's a little bit of suspension of disbelief. You know it's not them. Um, And I'm sure they're going to make it look at least passable. Uh, Disappointed, I don't understand, because they're not going to take a crappy performance and make a hologram out of it. Whereas if you go to see somebody live, they might be wasted. They might, you know, just totally, you know, pass out on stage or they might just have a bad night. Heaven knows I've seen a few of those. But uh, disappointed? I don't quite get. Emotional? Guilty? I wouldn't feel guilty about it. Emotional? Yeah. Sad? I mean, I grew up with Michael Jackson. Uh, Michael Jackson's been around since I was a child, not just you. And I grew up with you know the J-5 and their stuff was favorites in my house and watching their, they even had a cartoon, as did the Beatles uh, so I, when Michael Jackson cried, uh, died, I admit I cried when I found out that he had passed on absolutely, uh, so he was a lifelong favorite of mine, uh, I would, I don't know how I would react to seeing him on stage, if I would cry then because I thought I would cry when Jaggedy Ann reunited in Las Vegas and I didn't <laughs> thankfully so, <laughs> and they're not even dead you know <laughs> but, but here's my take on the hologram thing <laughs> I,
1: they aren't even dead they're not even dead I mean what the dead, fuck you know? they're not even dead they're not Come even on.
0: dead and I was gonna cry because it was, I just love the band so much and their, their story and all the, the girls and they might get back together this year in which case I am so going man um, okay uh, I don't know
1: that might not have to be a both outing, I'm not sure. We'll have to see. Uh, you're going it's to Vegas a both outing?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm down with that. You
1: know. it sounds tax uh, tax deductible. So,
0: <laughs> hey, that's a thought. Wow, <laughs> yes, tax deductible. Even though we, hey, we don't get paid for this but somehow that's got to work Shh. out i'm sure it, uh, it's sh- got,
1: we'll work it out yeah, yeah we'll work it out we'll yeah. work it out Shh, don't say anything yeah,
0: we, we get paid in exposure bucks that's right Ex- yes same correct. thing most of uh, the same thing they want indie musicians to work for exposure bucks you know
1: exactly
0: i tried to buy some uh, fish sticks with exposure bucks it totally didn't work you know did but, not work uh, not i tried to work.
1: buy a latte and they were like you are out of luck
0: babe it's like but i'm christina baldwin of ascent and birds of a feather and they're like okay and that's five dollars, that, you know.
1: That and we don't give a fuck. So yeah, please continue on your way. Where yeah. is the money? Yeah.
0: But I would go see one of these things if it was an act. I mean, Frank Zapp, I wouldn't go. But I would go if it was an act I really liked. And uh, the way I feel about it, oh, it's a, it's a, it's an atrocity. It's a, it's an abuse. It's a rip It's a look. It, to me, it's the same thing as going to see a tribute band or a cover band. It's a party with fans of the music that you love. If there was a big hall and they were going to play music of some group that you loved, and all the other people there were going to be fans, you would go, right? You would go and have a good time. In fact, uh, several years ago, I went to a show at Romano's Concert Lounge in Riverside, and for the entire hour before the band came on, they played nothing but Beatles, and everybody was dancing and singing every word, and it was a big rock and roll party, and everybody had a blast. It was like worth paying for, almost. And that's how much more when you go to see a hologram show when in many cases they have the bands that played with the artist and you're hearing the artists themselves. It's basically like a big record party, only much, much better. So I'm in fully in full support of this. Elvis was... Uh, they were doing this with... Um, it wasn't a hologram, but they were playing the video of the Elvis Aloha from Hawaii concert. And the band was playing on the stage along with the video. So that's the only place you saw Elvis was up on the screen. But the band was playing live. And it must have been a hell of a party and a great time. And uh, so... I, my feeling of this is if you have any objection to this as an artist, you had better, you know, if you say, I don't want to be no hologram when I'm dead, and uh, I don't want to be. Um you know, people standing around watching some kind of laser light trickery about me when I'm gone, well, then you better register your objection now (laughs) while you're still breathing because somebody's going to think of it when you're gone. So if you have a problem with it, go loud in public about it now because that way your fans will not want to desecrate your memory and will not want to disrespect your wishes and they won't go. But uh, otherwise, uh, put on the hologram shows and I'll be there if I can, if it's somebody I like which uh, some of these artists actually were so I'm for it what do you think Well um, obviously I'm, I'm obviously definitely you're raven. Okay. Yeah you're Raven because you went to one what am I saying
1: Well, it was only, I want to say like 15 minutes of the entire show, but I had wished honestly that it was a majority or all of the show. So while I do think it's going to be an emotional experience, I absolutely am raving. I think it's something if you really want to see that artist and you will never see them because they are no longer with us, um, then I think this is an amazing alternative. And thank goodness for this technology that allows us to feel like they're actually there when we'll never, ever have the opportunity to see them live. So I think it's a beautiful thing, although very, very emotional. And clearly, many people have mixed responses to it. So proceed with caution.
0: Yeah, and I would add also, if they weren't charging too much, honestly, I mean, I would get together, I would pay a little bit of money to get together with somebody to have a big record party and to watch videos and stuff. But I wouldn't pay 200 bucks to watch no laser light trick, okay? So that's a, that's a different story. I wouldn't pay top dollar as if they were really there. Uh, to see a hologram, but would I go? Absolutely. Dio, in particular, that would be great. I'd love to see Dio. I did. I was fortunate enough to see the man himself with Black Sabbath in 1992. But I would go to that. Uh, probably. That's you know. Uh, eh. There are probably a few people I would go to, but I'm all for it as long as they don't charge 300 bucks a head. I think that's a little bit uh, a little bit insane. But you know, whatever the market will support. But anyway, if you're an artist and you don't want it, you better say something now. That's the last minute reminder.
1: <laughs> That's right. Put it in the books today or there's going to be a hologram tour in the world that is bearing your likeness, your name and your music.
0: That's right. That's right. Speak now or forever hold your peace because when your ass is gone, uh, somebody's going to find a way to make it happen. So.
1: Right. And when your ass is gone, no one gives a crap what you thought. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sadly. All right, that takes us to song number 4, David.
0: Oh. Oh, I say, oh, I have to introduce this song, too? Damn, okay. Okay, all right, well, let's get on with that, then. Let me look at my notes on the screen. Uh, Yeah, it's one of those things, folks. Okay, oh, yes. Song number four is a song. Song... Song (laughs) number Song number four is a song. It is not surprisingly. Song number four
1: is a song. No, it's not not, surprisingly at all.
0: I mean if song number four were a meal, that would be a bit of a surprise, but (laughs) song song number four is not a uh, is not a um, uh, uh, it's
1: not a hologram it's not a
0: hologram it's not a product of any kind it's an actual song that's why we call it song number four and and just so as you know uh, as far as our songs we are only accepting submissions that are actual songs okay so don't send us any sandwiches or anything okay Uh, songs song number four is by a band called Jets Under Fire ooh intense and uh, they're an alternative rock band from Austin, Texas now Uh, And you can find them on Facebook at Jets Under Fire. But I definitely really liked the song Moonlight, and I listened to another one. And it starts off kind of like, I don't know, sort of like what I would call kid music today, but uh, good kid music, the same way I uh, mistakenly thought of the wonderful Secret Weasels as kid music when I heard the first song of theirs, and then they went all over the map musically and just blew my mind. But this started out, and I thought, oh, it's agreeable, modern pop, but then it takes a nice, heavy turn and gets really melodic and hooky, and I really enjoyed the song Moonlight, and I listened to the next one too, which is a little dark also. So this is a group that I am glad to have uh, discovered through Christina's intervention. So check out the song Moonlight by Jets Under Fire. on it and i couldn't find jets under fire probably because i was you know bleary eyed and looking at my phone or whatever but i couldn't find it anyway so yeah jets under fire on facebook just like it says in my notes which i was uh, skeptical i will never doubt you again please forgive me (laughs) and and, however i'm i'm sure in the about jason poe is mentioned is he not i'm i feel quite certain about that he sure is absolutely good now you're going to introduce the next segment or am i
1: Well, I will introduce it, but then you will speak to it. So the next segment is Hell Yes or Oh Hell No. And uh, this time we talked about the band, the polarizing band, KISS.
0: (laughs) Oh yes, KISS. Now, (laughs) KISS dates back to 1973. KISS is a hard rock band founded in New York City. Uh, 47-something years ago, whatever, a little, uh, long time. And uh, I've been listening to them pretty much the whole time. Now, this is a very polarizing group. A lot of people do not like KISS. They're very vocal about it. In fact, most of our respondents did not like KISS. Let's get that out of the way first. How many, uh, how many uh, votes did you get in either direction, uh, roughly?
1: Well, actually, I would say... I think we got something like 27 votes, and I'm going to say that um, just over half of them actually either really loved Kiss or was meh with Kiss. They were like, oh, they're all right. Mm." So there were more people that were okay with them than did not like them. Uh, But there was definitely a a nice group of people who did not like them as well. But I would say majority of them went to the fact that they actually really loved them or they kind of liked them.
0: Yes, I noticed that one of the uh, persons who didn't really have anything good to say about Kiss was Mr. Bruce Baldwin himself. Was it not?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Yes, we. Yes, he's not a fan, nor am I.
0: He j- he just didn't want to embarrass himself. Of course, he loves Kiss. Everybody does. But it's funny that there are people out there who don't even know that Kiss has this uh, this negative wave of uh, this uh, anti fan group. I was at Guitar Center one day looking at a Kiss lunchbox, and I said, "Yeah, I might even get this." I'm an unashamed Kiss and the guy said, ashamed? Why would you be ashamed? And I said, well, I'm not. But I said, a lot of people hate Kiss. And he said, no, they don't. Like, where, where have you been? Of course they do. A lot of people just simply can't stand Kiss. And I got two words for you suckas out there. Kiss Alive, baby. Whenever I, whenever somebody starts with this anti-kiss stuff, I bring that up and they go, uh, uh, "Okay, it's a great live album, but they still suck, yeah." Well, if they put out a great live album, then they don't suck. It's a good. And when I play old Kiss videos from like the '70s, from like the Midnight Special and all this stuff, people say, "Okay." That was really good. That was on fire. That was back when they were a band and not a brand. And I think that's a lot of the objection people have to Kiss is that they are so market centered that they sell everything. Everything is for sale. Everything is a commodity. They're all they're about making money on merch. But what indie what indie musician do you know does not sell merch? The kinds of merch that are available today would make Gene Simmons blush. I mean, there there's an artist I know. I call her the Queen of Merch, who sells frigging flip flops with her likeness on them. For heaven's sakes. <laughs> you know, (laughs) Oh, my God. That's some next-level marketing, okay? (laughs) Flip-flops. That's some next-level marketing right there. But a lot of people, uh, Kiss Alive, I think, proves their merits. If you don't like, see, to me, if you don't like a direction, an act's music has gone, that's fine. But if they were ever great, then they're great. Like, a lot of people don't like the later Aerosmith. But from the first five records or four or five albums, they were untouchable. They were one of the greatest American bands of all time, and you cannot take that away from them just like KISS. KISS started out absolutely on fire and great, and if you don't like where they went musically after that, you still got to give it to them. I don't think there's anybody out there who doesn't like anything they've ever done. So if you got one genius song, I love you, even if I don't listen to the rest of your crap. Um, But um, another uh, evidence of uh, KISS's merit, I think, even a stronger one, is the 1996 KISS Unplugged concert, which was an album in a, in a TV show as well, where no makeup, no pyrotechnics or effects, no uh, spitting blood, no fire, no uh, uh, loud electric guitars, just a bunch of guys sitting around with acoustic instruments playing their songs, and I think it's brilliant. So I love Kiss. I saw Kiss on 78, 7-8 uh, uh, around the Love Gun time and everything, and Sure, they market like crazy. What the hell? You know, I mean, what's wrong with making a little money? Uh, <laughs> I have no problem with that. Uh, they did uh, put out a lunchbox with the totally lame-ass cover of Love Gun on one side, whereas it should have been the most awesome album cover of all time which is hotter than hell but we all make mistakes and they make zillions of dollars and i don't they're currently on their last final they mean it this time farewell tour so you can still catch uh catch the wave and be part of the kiss army before they're gone for good but me i'm hell yes for kiss uh for lifetime i don't know why i still love them so much i didn't outgrow them at all i outgrew their nonsense the smashing guitars the spitting blood i absolutely hate that uh, but The Breathing Fire is okay with me, and I actually did that as a stupid teenager in my uh, laundry room garage bands. I actually breathed fire, and some I managed to not set myself ablaze, but I don't recommend people do that. <laughs> but I'm sure Gene Simmons has proper training in that. But musically, hell yeah, I love Kiss. I got about 11 of their albums or something like that. Kiss Army for life, Woo! Wow. Well,
1: they have it. I am a hell no for a KISS. I have uh, never understood it. I don't get it. It has nothing to do with their marketing. You say market the fuck out of yourself. I would like them better with makeup on uh, than with the makeup off, but I don't care for the makeup either. Just never did anything for me, but people who love KISS love them with all their, I know many a KISS fan. I don't hate KISS and just not uh, KISS Army.
0: Oh, and I will say something else. One thing about the, that I have to give it to KISS as far as the wisdom of uh, what I was talking before about when you write a song, having somebody else sing it, which is like Eddie Better should always do. Um, KISS... Um, uh, in a group like the Beatles, in many cases, uh, groups like that with multiple singer-songwriters, uh, well, uh, the guy singing the song or the gal singing the song is the one who wrote it generally speaking, like Fleetwood Mac and everything, the Beatles, but not always. Sometimes you got to let somebody else sing that song to get it right. And Kiss has some very uh, notable examples of that. Like, for example, uh, Paul Stanley wrote the song Hard Luck Woman actually for Rod Stewart, and it was would have suited his perfect, beautiful, raspy voice to a T, but Gene Simmons persuaded him to keep it in the band. That was for their uh, fifth studio album. He persuaded him to keep it in the band, and Peter Criss, the drummer of Kiss, who also has a gorgeous, raspy voice, and some people consider him the best vocalist in the group uh, when he was in the group, and um, sang the song and it was perfect uh, Paul Stanley also wrote God of Thunder another Kiss classic which was sung by Gene Simmons because the only Gene Simmons could have made it work so you artists out there if you write a song and there's somebody else in your group that can sing it let them sing it uh, because you know ultimately the, the finished work is the proof is in the pudding and uh, so you want to get something sounding as well as it can don't let your ego think I've got to sing it when you sing like shit or at least this song doesn't suit you so um, that's a, uh, that's a little tip there because uh, Kiss used that to very good effect Hard Luck Woman was also covered later by Garth Brooks and uh, so it's a it's a real classic and uh, they've showed a lot of wisdom in that and in their marketing they've managed to milk it uh, what some would consider minimal talent for uh, 47 lucrative years so <laughs> there's something to be said for that but anyway yeah so I'm, I'm all for Kiss Kiss me for life
1: Yes, there's a lot of minimal talent people out there who are making billions of dollars, and they are clearly one of them. So that's perfect. 20,000 people cannot be wrong. And on 3-4, KISS sold out the Staples Center. So there clearly are many, many people who love KISS. And even though David and I do not agree, I still respect his love of KISS. And uh, we can move forward in a very positive manner.
0: Yeah, I, I can I can accept your, your non-appreciation of KISS a lot easier than your appreciation of Alice and Chains but, and your non-appreciation of the Who uh, that, that doesn't make quite as much sense as your non-appreciation of Kiss but oh speaking of which the Staples Center interesting little trivia about that show it's not trivial at all is that when Kiss played the Staples Center and they sold it at probably in, in minutes who was their opening act? None other than Diamond David Lee Roth himself. What a show that must have been. I know a lot of people would go just for Roth, uh, and sometimes you hear that. as like, I went for the opening act, not the main one. But, uh, yep, Diamond Dave was there. That must have been something else. And we might be talking a little tiny bit about Van Halen sometime in the future, again, as we already have. So let's move on, shall we?
1: Absolutely. Song number three, band near and dear to my heart, The Tragic Radicals. This song is called Indecisive Creatures. They are from Fullerton, California. They are rock, surf, grunge, prog rock. And I mentioned that we are doing a show with them on the 14th at the world famous Doll Hut. The song, it has a very deceptive introduction that lulls into this peaceful and relaxed place before they punch you in the gut with killer, gritty guitar kicking ass on indecisive creatures. was the tragic Radicals <laughs> all right that was the tragic radicals with indecisive creatures and you can find them at the tragic and on the 14th at ten thirty at the world famous doll hut.
0: That's right. Be there. Be square at the world-famous doll hut. I'm going to be there, but God willing, if uh, barring any unforeseen, uh, Finally going to get to see the Tragic Radicals after missing them twice. Also, you can hear their interview. Interview with AJ and Tyler at FusionMusicRadio.net. Butterflies and Hurricanes Archive. Interviewed by Louis Drayton. That was very recently, too. And uh, you can also hear this song again, which I know you're, you're aching to do. Uh, they were absolutely, I was simply blown away by their music, honestly. Uh, I mean, just the two of them. Making this incredible sound without vocals. Uh, ju- they're just amazing. I mean, you're sitting there and you're like, wow, this is absolutely engaging and hooky, and you're, you're just gonna love them. So, yeah, do check out the Tragic Radicals by all means. Hey, we got a feature coming up. Tell us about it.
1: Yes, the next feature is Unnested Flying Solo, and this feature focuses on solo artists that were once part of a larger band. The solo artist was Sting. The original band was The Police. The breakout album was Ten Sumner's Tales in 1993. While that was his second solo album, it was certainly his most famous with songs like Fields of Gold, If I Ever Lose My Faith in You, and Shape of My Heart. He has staying power as a solo artist. He has nine albums including a best of, The Last album being released in 2016 He certainly has an adult Contemporary staying power, however Once you've been in a band like The Police I'm not sure you want to be painted with an adult Contemporary brush However, we would be remiss if we didn't mention All of the amazing albums the police put out So Outlandos de Amor in 1978 Regatta de Blanc in 1979 Zendata Mandata in 1980 Ghost in the Machine 1981 And finally St. Furniss in 1983 So now if we think about it in 1978, Roxanne, So Lonely 1979, Message in a Bottle, Walking on the Moon 1980, Driven to Tears, Don't Stand So Close to Me When the World is Running Down Ghost in the Machine 1981, Spirits in the Material World Every Little Thing She Does is Magic And then every single thing off the Synchronicity album is incredible Every Breath You Take, Wrapped Around Your Finger Tea in Sahara, Murder by Numbers, King of Pain, Synchronicity 2 So, while Sting was a great solo artist and may still be a great solo artist Artist. I would say that even though he flew the nest and he flew solo, I still wish for the days when the police were all over the radio. I miss the police. I think they're incredible. Best of luck to Sting. He flew the nest, but I really wish he would have stayed in the nest.
0: Yeah, Sting is such an incredible songwriter. And it's weird that when leaving a group like the police, the, the he, a lot of the songs he wrote and, and recorded solo are great, but they just don't have the, the same punch as the police. Like John Lennon, uh, same thing. Uh, the nothing he did after the Beatles compared, in my mind. There are so mm. many. All those songs you just named are so notable. If you ever, if you grew up with radio, you know all those songs, and you're just singing them already in your head, uh, just from hearing the titles. The last, the synchronicity. Good lord, the, the themes there. I was talking about Kate Bush and how she writes uh, oh. lyrics that are all over the map and, and just so you know, out out of left field themes that are atypical. Uh, Every Breath You Take, as we talked about that before, creepy, sinister, creepy, and yet deceptively sweet and romantic, uh, brilliant, uh, sly, uh, very evolved and intelligent songwriting there, wrapped around your finger, a song about sorcery, a song about uh, people learning the dark arts, and uh, the student becomes <laughs> the power over his, uh, his teacher in, in, the, in these uh, occulty things. Brilliant stuff. Murder by Numbers, a song about killing, and you get kind of used to it, and then you kind of multiply, and you do two at a time, and it's just, it's so casually and chillingly talks about taking people's <laughs> lives. It's just a brilliant song, and the music is very, you know, kind of, uh, kind of jazzy, retro, uh, just incredible stuff. Uh, King of Pain is uh, really dark and haunting. Synchronicity 2, typical lament about, oh, my life is ordinary like everybody else's, I should be miserable. The, the same kind of shit that I hate Pink Floyd for, but it's a great song. Uh, I, uh, great record. Everything that the police has ever done. And they started out, uh, and they're notab- known for including uh, reggae elements into the uh, into their, uh, not only strange album titles, but son of a reggae mm-hmm. feel to some of their songs and vocals, and that's very unusual, uh, in that, especially in that era. And, and yet they were punky at times. They did a great just straight-driving punk song called Next to You, which was covered notably, talking about... Uh, Harry on Mockingbird a great great cover of that by one of my favorite bands Bad Mary so that's something you want to check out too but Sting just a total genius oh and he also appears on a great great album called The Glory of Gershwin which in the 90s when it came out uh, a bunch of rock artists sang songs of George and Ira Gershwin and Sting was on there and he did nice work if you can get it brilliant stuff and uh, Meatloaf was on there, Elvis Costello, Kate Bush, Carly Simon mm. a lot I mean it 's just a, a john Bon Jovi it 's just an amazing record and uh, oh Robert Palmer, uh, but sting uh, does a great turn on that in nice work if you can get it so just a phenomenal musician and songwriter, and I just uh, just love the guy and uh, unnested. Uh, maybe uh, maybe he was better in the original group, but I think he's always worth hearing, though?
1: I mean, I think that Sting is definitely worth your time. He's an incredible talent. He's amazing. Um, so, consequently, my first concert was the Synchronicity Tour in 1983. They came to the Phoenix Municipal Stadium on 9-8-1983, and I begged my mom to take me. That was my first concert I ever went to. And I don't remember everything. I really wanted to go see the police. I, I remember the lights. I remember Sting being about as big as an ant because we were in the nosebleed seats because that was what we could afford. I remember it being loud. I remember feeling completely emotional and charged and I remember my adrenaline was pumping the entire time and from that moment forward I needed to go to concerts and I've been to way too many and spent way too much money but that was actually my first concert ever.
0: Awesome! Awesome! I love that first concert, man. Mine was Black Sabbath and Aerosmith. Oh man, there's nothing like that first time, and you experience live music, and you're just hooked for life. Interesting thing, you were talking about being in the nosebleed seats. For you, uh, younger people in the audience, you're used to the big screen, where screen or screens, where you can see close-ups of the the artists are projected on them, so you can see stuff that you're really much too far away. Back in the day, we didn't have that, uh, so we were seeing at a distance. We carried binoculars, I did. But uh, the mixed yep. screens are uh, a definite help and, uh, that you have nowadays. But uh, back in the day, we were just far, far away looking at little ants. But being in the room with the live music, being played by your chosen <laughs> artist is uh, very, very special. And, of course, the binoculars were a real help, too. Except that they didn't help one time. I took binoculars to a small club gig to see Peter Frampton and I was in, I was in the front row, and it's like I, I tried to look at him through the binoculars, but I couldn't because he was too close. I mean, that's not your usual binocular problem. You know? But uh, he actually took them from me. <laughs> he took the binoculars out of my hand and said, hey, "He thinks he needs binoculars." And, and he looked at the audience with them and everything because they were useless to me because he was right there. I mean, I couldn't even focus. He was right in my face. But uh, yeah, binoculars. But then now we've got the screens nowadays. So uh, you you kids today got it good. You don't know what uh, what us. Uh, older folks and sort of getting up there almost mature folks like christina had to deal with but hey live music has always been a part of our lives and will continue to be <laughs> oh, My <God. laughs> so let's move on i don't know what we where we started with that oh we got a song coming up yeah or doing
1: That's right Song number two is by a band named The Lucky Dutch This is a song called Darkness They are from Chicago, Illinois They are Americana What? <laughs>
0: just, when you say Lucky Dutch I think I, I hear What did they say? I hear Lucky Not you, no, it's my head It's my head My head is the problem I hear Lucky Ducks Every time you say <laughs> the Lucky Dutch Okay, go ahead I mean, if I were in a group It would be called the Lucky Ducks Okay, but yeah, go. <laughs> go ahead, carry on, carry on as if nothing really matters. Yeah,
1: okay. <laughs> that's true. Oh, it would actually be called that. All right. <laughs> it better fucking matter. Um, all right. Song number two is by a band named The Lucky Dutch and the song is called Darkness. They are from Chicago, Illinois. They are Americana, they are blues, they are rock, they are roots rock. And I will tell you, this song and this band absolutely captivated me. Right away, you're hooked with the rhythmic electric piano. Then the rootsy, raw, and commanding vocals grab you by the hand and walk you deeper into the groove. It is a classic blues rock song the groove is amazing the guitarist is clearly a disciple of clapton and vaughn and it pays off it is perfectly dirty and certainly sounds like they sold their souls at the crossroads the singer nathan graham has performed as a guitarist with buddy guy bb king and coco taylor This is a band you are going to want to watch. They have had many, many albums since um, their initial release. You can find them at theluckydutch.com, and you are going to love this band. Here we go with Darkness. Darkness.
5: to learn recommend say give me fire, and i can promise you go no.
0: on The Countdown. We talked about sibling bands and family bands. Well, this is one of those. Like Hanson, this is three sisters and they're teenagers, no less. And I got to say, I'm impressed with... I'm not impressed with young people. I'm not a fan of young people in general. You know me, old guys. But um, when young people like this do something, uh, it is truly marvelous. Like when The Runaways came out. And it wasn't that they were girls. It's that they were kids. And they were so tight, so polished, and they toured the world And uh, that's what impresses me about this group that Christina discovered, GFM, which stands for Gold, Frankincense, and everybody knows what's next, myrrh, right? Gold, Frankincense, and myrrh, GFM, Uh, a band from Fruit Cover, yes, that's a real name, Fruit Cover Florida, uh, as, again, sisters, teenage sisters, started taking lessons at the age of five, and they want to show that music can be encouraging and not negative, even though their music is actually very heavy. They want to use their talent to reach people and help them deepen their faith. Uh, uh, Christian-based, I don't know about the content of all of their music, but this song, Darkness, appears to be more about spiritual darkness than actual night time, but I don't know exactly what they meant by it, but it really packs a punch. They're a very strong, very uh, powerful group. Interesting thing about them, they have shared the stage with bands like Disturbed and Hailstorm, so that's uh, quite an achievement on their part. They have even been in Germany. They have toured in Germany and the United States, and (laughs) what's cool, they have created their own genre, uh, and why not? I mean, if you, you might as well make up a name that covers you personally better than any of the existing ones because we all need some kind of label. They call themselves Beauty Core, uh which is great. It's kind of hardcore, but it's got a beauty aspect to it because it's positive. And I love that. Uh, and they are currently on tour. They're very popular at festivals, and they're uh, going to be visiting Texas, Arkansas, Uh, Oklahoma, South Dakota, a bunch of places, New York, Pennsylvania. I don't see California on there, but I would love to see them. Alright, and you can find them at thegfmband.com and Facebook and follow them all over the place and uh, Reverb Nation too because their music is really terrific and uh, they do not hold back. They hit you hard and I love a good hard-hitting female-fronted group and these three sisters really know how to slam you and enjoy this tune which is also called Darkness. That was the number one group, Gold, Frankincense, and Myrrh GFM so be sure to check them out and they have a new EP out called Oh, The Horror <laughs> gotta love that one all right. Yes, get into some beauty core. When people say, What genres are you listening to? Oh, beauty core. That'll give them something to talk about, you know. But that uh, is what they've decided to call themselves, and I love that. So, yeah, GFM, great group, great discovery by Christina, and we will be hearing more from them. We're going to be uh, trying to get them on butterflies, too, because they really, really impressed me. So, excellent. What is up next, Christina?
1: Alright, well, this is the moment they've all been waiting for. This is where we announce the new Birds of a Feather theme, so last week it was the Night Owl and now it is Comorant Eileen. <laughs> Songs that contain the name of a person.
0: Yeah, I couldn't all imagine where you were going with that when you said on Eileen, and I'm like, okay, I'm trying to figure what the angle would be, but of course, it's a very clever twist on Dexy's Midnight Runner's yes. hit song Come On Eileen, and and uh, Cormorant Eileen, because of the bird theme, i got to say I love it. And it's about songs that contain <laughs> the name of a person. We can all think of a bunch of them in the mainstream. Right? Jesse's Girl, My Sharona, Oh, Sherry, Sarah Smile, Eleanor Rigby, Rhiannon, Jack and Diane. We can think of a million of them mainstream, but now we've got to get some indie submissions, songs that have the name of a person in them. So, gotta put your thinking caps on. Of course, if you're a band, you shouldn't have to think too hard about if you have a song with that uh, uh, attribute or not. So, yeah, by all means, get some uh, referrals to us. Uh, Songs... Uh, with persons' names in them for Cormorant Eileen.
1: <laughs> All right, go ahead and send those Cormorant Eileen songs that contain the name of a person to B O A F on air at gmail.com and we will look forward to receiving those, compile our top 10 and share them with you soon. All right, that brings us to the sad moment in our show. Parting is such sweet sorrow. But during this segment While we say goodbye We always like to leave you With a little something And that is homework So we have homework for you For the next Hell yes or oh hell no And that is Van Halen Diamond Dave Or Sammy Hagar Both Or neither Which team are you? Are you a team Or are you no to Van Halen? And we'll talk about that What we hear from you And what we think in the next show
0: all right. I am supposed to do the wrap-up and take us out of here. Uh, tell them when the next air, uh, show air date is, but I'd have to look that up first. Hang on a second. Da, 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 we should have some hold music while this is happening. Uh, can you hum for them, please? Okay. Let's I see can. The show air date would be. Okay. So this, this uh, train wreck is going to be on the 13th. The day before the historic Dalhut concert, so that would be the 27th. Okay, all right. Yes, uh, March 27th will be our next air date for Birds of a Feather, episode 4. Um, unless they've found a way, some kind of legal loophole to get us off the air in the meantime. Um, we will be back on the 27th uh, in two weeks from today, or from the day when this first aired, uh, March 27th. And uh, we've got our themes, you've got our homework. We want to know if you've... Uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay.
1: It was Van Halen. Are they Diamond Dave, Sammy Hagar, both or none?
0: Oh, is that it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that was the oh, uh, Hell Yes, Oh, Hell No. And the, uh, the theme was Cormorant Eileen, right. So get your submissions to uh, us about that. But you've got our themes. You've got our next date, uh, the 27th. So what does that leave? That leaves us for only one thing, which is for you to say Let's get the
1: flock out of here. <laughs>
3: This has been Birds of a Feather, on Fusion Music Radio.